Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. And we're back. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We are your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris, broadcasting live from lovely Austin, Texas. Julie, welcome to today's radio show. Thank you. It's going to be a fun show. We're going to pick up where we left off, and we've also got a really great shout-out ready to go. So it's going to be a good time together, I think. Today's radio show was a pickup, like Julie said, from the previous one. And what we're talking about are the seven must-have qualities for anybody that really expects to be a leader, but especially a leader of salespeople. So brokers, office managers, team leaders, those of you wanting to form teams, everybody in the middle who expects to lead other folks, these are the seven qualities that you absolutely positively must have. If you uh, missed the first five or four, make sure you go back and listen to the previous radio show. Um, and I would, frankly, I would use these uh, points as an opportunity for you to really question. And, and I'll tell you, what, the first thought that came to my mind are that, Lots of you, I was going to say thousands, I don't know if it's thousands, but probably, who think that the goal should be to form a team. Well, I want you to challenge that. I want you to really decide if that's for you by going back and listening to the previous radio show and then obviously the rest of these points. And what you might discover, discover is it's not for you. You don't want to have uh, you don't want to take the time to develop the specific skills. You don't want to necessarily have to have the relationship with the types of, you know, the types of relationships you're, you're going to want to have to be a really good leader. You know, maybe you're somebody who basically would rather do a majority of the work themselves because they know they can do it better than anybody else. They don't want to train people up. They don't want to hold people accountable. And uh, yeah, and you can, you know, have two or three assistants and kick absolute butt. Well, guess what? It, that's an alternative. So I want you to go back, listen to the previous show, listen to today's show. If you're a broker or office manager and you're wanting to get peak performance out of your folks that are helping you manage, helping you run the troops, well, these, again, are characteristics that I think for the most part people can develop. So if you go through this list and you're discovering that, well, this you know, so-and-so who works for me doesn't have point number three and four, well, no problem. That gives you a real clear path forward and what you can be working with them on to improve their skill set. Does that make sense, Julie? Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is a great checklist. Do they have it or don't they? And what are you doing about it? Do they kind of have it sometimes? You know, uh, do you have it yourself? So that's why we created this call. And as I said before, this is a very popularly requested topic. So that's why we're covering it. Right. And our producer, Gina, just told me to make sure we start on point uh, number four. And then, is that what you're saying, Gina? Clarify in chat. Okay, she's barking at me again. Oh, yeah, she said five. <laughs> okay, so we're going to start at point number five so you guys don't get confused. And before we get to point number five, um, just a opportunity for you guys that you need to be first come, first serve on this. Request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. You can also complete the form that's right there if you're listening to us on your web browser or on your um, iPhone, on your whatever you're listening to us on, the, the form's there as well. So go ahead and complete that. And when you do, you will get a free coaching call uh, with one of our enrollment specialists who are going to walk you through the initial stages of completing the Real Estate Treasure Map, uh, which is a book that all of you guys should be getting your hands on, that you also get for free just for requesting the free coaching call. So you're going to get actually the Real Estate Treasure Map, you're going to get Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate, and you're also going to get somebody to personally walk you through at least getting the, the business plan started. So get that done now. Don't procrastinate on that. And it's first come, first serve. Um, 
we did add capacity because we filled up yesterday, so I suspect that we're only going to have maybe five or six spots in the next, say, 24 hours. I know next week we have like 18 spots, something like that. These are real-life phone calls. They take, you know, sometimes they could take up to 30 minutes. And so it's uh, first come, it's first serve. It's our service to you guys to help you get your business plan in place, get your mindset strong, so you can not just have a rock and fourth quarter, but you can also basically start your uh, your next year off better than it ever has before. So go ahead, free coaching calls for agents. It's plural, free coaching calls for agents.com. And you can also just complete that form that's right there in front of you on your iPhone, iPad, or your whatever else you might be using, name, email, phone number. But if you go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com, the cool thing there is you can actually schedule right away. You can pick your day and your time for the most part for when you want your call. All right, Julie, so let's just jump right in. Point number five. All right. Do you want to do our shout-out first or not? Oh, sorry. Yes. Oh, somebody, yeah. Yes, absolutely. We had an okay. uh, interesting email come in, so Julie wanted to address that right yeah. on the radio show. So and go ahead, I'm going to read this relatively quickly, and then we'll address it. But this is a great uh, email from Casey Villarreal. Hopefully I'm saying that right, down in McAllen, Texas. That's in the tip of Texas, so any referrals can go that direction to Casey Villarreal. So uh, Casey writes, hi, Tim. I'm a recent enrollee in the Real Estate Coaching Essentials Program, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I listened to the daily radio program for about an entire year before I took the plunge, and I hope to soon get up to the one-on-one coaching. You guys provide such actionable content on the free radio show that it was a no-brainer to sign up with you, even though it took me a year. I've already prepared and packaged my pre-listing package and had a question about the proven home selling system. So for our listeners, that is the listing presentation. Casey writes, I've scoured the website, listened to many of the audios, but need a definitive answer. Is the Proven Home Selling System something that we should bind as a book after personalizing it, of course? So that's Casey's main question. And how were you and Julie presenting those for your clients once they signed the listing agreement? I heard on one of the radio shows that you would leave it after they signed the listing agreement, but I'm wondering about the presentation. Is it a book? Is it done with spiral binding? How do you put it together? Anyhow, thanks again for the amazing program. You and Julie are just so real and down-to-earth and practical, and I appreciate that you don't spend a lot of the podcast bantering back and forth. I like to get straight to it. Thanks again. And that's why I read that so fast. So we can get straight to it for Casey. So thank you for that question, Tim. How should we address that? Well, so the easy answer is to don't recreate the wheel. One of the reasons that the pre-listing pack works so well is because it is in that odd format. I mean, it's in the waterfall format, so it shouldn't be bound. It shouldn't be any, any, you know, any of the options, none of the above. It should be done exactly the way that we prescribe you to use it as part of the coaching program. And there's a reason behind it. When you Now, I'm going to be talking to our coaching clients who actually have seen the pre-listing pack, and the rest of you are just going to have to give me about 15 seconds here. So when you open the pre-listing pack clients and you look at how the pages are set up in there, they're, you, know, you can call it waterfall, you can call it index, whatever you want to call it. We, again, intentionally designed it that way because when you follow the listing presentation and you go out to the seller's house, you know, when you sit back down at the kitchen table after you've gone around the house and toured it, hopefully you guys are following the listing process that we line out for you as part of the coaching program, that you're going to ask them to bring you the pre-listing pack. And when they bring it to you, what you're going to notice is the pages, if you've done it just the way we said for you to use it, that they've read have been pulled out. They won't read every page. They'll only pull out typically, they'll want to read about the about you, you know, the about us, your bio. They'll want to read probably about, 
you know, just some of the other things you offer, but you'll be able to see specifically the pages that they pulled out. Now, they never, I never had, in all the years of the thousands of sellers that we listed for, I never had a seller put the pre-listing pack together. But by telling me, by asking for the pre-listing pack while I'm there and asking them, you know, and opening it up, they would then not only tell me what they were most interested in, because those are the pages they pulled out, but they had also sometimes have written notes from talking to other realtors on those exact pages that I'd also be able to read, you see? Guys, all of this stuff that we teach you works hand in glove if you follow the process. And it works very consistently in all price ranges, in all markets, and all you know, changing conditions like what we're going to experience now. So please, that's the answer. Uh, you know, Don't bind it. Don't put it in a book. Don't make the pages all the same size. Do it the way we ask you to do it. It's a pain in the butt the first time. We do on the website have designers that know how to do it. They don't have any business relationship with us. They're just people that you know other clients have used in the past. So use those people. They'll know how to format the pages. They'll know how to cut them. They'll know how to print them. They'll know how to assemble them, and you can just delegate the whole thing, and it's not that expensive. Did I answer the question, Julie? Uh, yes, regarding the pre-listing package. And then once you get that done, of course, you move on to the proven home selling system, which is the more elaborate, catch-all, everything, more advanced presentation, and we can handle that on your next coaching call together. Um, which is kind of a different can of worms, but yes, absolutely. The proven, or I'm sorry, the pre-listing package that is one seriously killer tool, and we talk about that a lot in the essentials class. That absolutely is a game-changing thing to get done. So any of my essentials uh, class listeners, if you guys haven't gotten that done yet, that is job one once you start getting involved with that class. So, so really, um, moving, moving on, yeah, the, but the, the complete home selling, right? The complete home selling guide to specifically address that. Again, just use the format that we give you, and yes, that can be bound, and Julie's going to talk about that on the next Premier Coaching uh, call, which is what day, Julie? When is that? Today. 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 Okay, so you guys who are listening live who are coaching clients, make sure you show up, and Julie's going to remind all of you how to make sure you're assembling those things correctly so they present uh, consistently. All right, point number five. Point number five, a great broker, manager, or team leader knows that teams are great, but great salespeople want to be held individually responsible. They know that weak salespeople like to hide out in a team. They detect that weakness and help that player either overcome their weakness so they can thrive, or the team leader will simply wean them off the team. They don't carry dead weight for long. Great brokers and team leaders know the good ones won't stick around with you if they're not in an environment where they're challenged. They have an overall team goal, which is made up of individual goals. They allow for individuals thriving in their own way and support their success, even if it wasn't the team leader's own method. So there's a bit of flexibility, but there's also the identifying of the weak link and doing something or weaning them off the team. Theodore Roosevelt actually said, the best executive is the one who has the sense enough to pick good men to do what he wants done and the self-restraint enough from to keep from meddling with them while they do it. And let it, so for example, I put just a note in our notes here. For example, from a broker's standpoint, quote, letting agents do BPOs, REOs, short sales, new construction, et cetera, even if it wasn't that team leader or broker's own thing that they were successful at or are successful at. So that's the level of flexibility and support. Again, the best executive, according to Roosevelt, was someone that picks good people in the first place but has the self-restraint to let them run with it and allow them to do that. So that's an interesting balance between getting rid of the dead weight and supporting 
the great agents and knowing that, you know, great agents will sniff out dead weight sometimes before a team leader does, that's a problem because they'll leave the team if that team leader well, isn't doing something about it. That's the essence of it, right? We talked about this on the previous show, and you guys got to really remember that. The reason you see so many people leaving successful teams and starting their own is because the team leader wasn't adept enough at essentially rooting out the dead weight, as Julie says, or you know, more precisely, the underachievers. Or if you want to have a team where you realize you're going to have some you know, real butt kickers, top producing types, but at the same time you have some underproducing types, you have to give the top producer acknowledgement. So what you guys will find as you form any kind of business is that the people that always use the word team goals, team this, team the other thing, all they're trying to do is avoid personal accountability and responsibility. That is at the heart. Oh, it's the personality type, Tim. It's the amiable, supportive type. Well, might be true, but it's also the amiable, supportive type that's trying to avoid personal accountability. So hold everyone accountable, or as I like to say, don't have any row, don't have any riders in your boat. Everyone has to row. So. Go out of your way, ask yourself, be introspective, be honest. If you have a brokerage or more specifically, if you have a real estate team, why are you keeping the people around that are underproducing and what a psychological effect is that having on the guys that are have the potential to be top producers? They're going to get frustrated with you for keeping the low producers around. Um, and if you were to get rid of the underproducers and if you were to put more effort into the top producers and the people that have the potential to be top producers, not only would you probably make more money, the company would make more money. Yeah, you'd shed a few people. That's not always a bad thing, but you'd be amazed at how much more uh, you attract other people to you because other people are going to see your company or your team, your entity, your brokerage, your office becomes more successful because you are actually helping the best people become better. Versus basically placating the weak people who are just trying to hide behind the you know the great people. You guys know what I'm talking about. You've been in environments like that yourself many times, sporting teams, school, work environments, whatever it is. But when you're forming a business, you got to really be introspective and honest with yourself that you are willing to actually move on when someone's not a good fit and look for the best people. When you find them, keep them. Next point, Julie. All right, so a great broker manager or team leader works with their salespeople to establish their own particular goals to be achieved with or without the team. They use, for example, our real estate treasure map, which is an all-encompassing plan for their success. This includes personal goals, accountability, knowing your financial picture and your magic number. So real estate treasure map, a lot of you guys have that. What are you doing with it? And I got a great quote written down from Rosalind Carter who said, a leader takes people where they want to go, but a great leader takes people where they don't necessarily want to go but ought to be. So using the treasure map, and you know we've got 90-day massive action plans and all kinds of different things, but especially the treasure map will help identify where they could be, help set those goals, and then backfill that with what has to happen in order to get there. And a great leader also knows how to motivate two different kinds of salespeople, Tim. And you wrote down uh, on this point, number one, how to motivate the two different kinds. If they don't have well, financial security, they, let, yeah, this let, is let, kind let, of your let me thing. Do that. So, yeah. Right. So here's what we've discovered from coaching agents. And this is something that when I finally got it, when I finally figured this out personally, it made me a better coach, but also it's made me a better, you know, it's made me a better leader inside of our business and Julie as well. So here's the, it's interesting. People are like financial stuff and people talk about what motivates people. People talk about it as the character of the stick and sort of all these other little cliche type sayings. But here's, here's the interesting bottom line fact. I'm going to give you guys three little points, write these down and don't forget them. Number one, 
is that recent studies have all proven the same thing. People are never really motivated by the carrot or the stick, not truly, not in a meaningful long-term way, maybe temporarily, but never a long-term motivation. If you want true motivation out of somebody, they're motivated by losing something that they already have. So write that point down. Motivation, real true motivation comes from when people are fearful of losing something that they already have. They're a hundred times more motivated than they would be, for example, if you say, you know, you're going to get an extra $1,000 bonus if you, you know, do XYZ. If you say, if you don't do XYZ, you're going to lose what you already have, status, financial security, whatever it is. You're going to see them move heaven and earth to accomplish the goal. Okay, there's just, that is kind of a, its own thought in itself. doesn't necessarily relate to these next two points, but these next two points are also important to understand. Some Financial motivation is an interesting uh, uh, monster because what happens is some people are only motivated when they have massive financial stress. And these are people that will create debt. These are people that will create, I mean, in many cases, financial hardships for themselves. They, they thrive on the boom and bust cycles. They love it when they feel like their backs are against the wall. That's the only time they're truly ever going to be motivated. You guys have, real estate attracts a lot of people like that. They're the ones that are, you know, they're buying the boats. They're talking about buying jets. They're doing all the rest of it. They want to have their backs against the wall because it works for them. Now, is that the way that you would want to be? Is that what would motivate you? Probably not. But here's, a close, here's another thought. So some people are motivated only when they have massive financial stress. They have to have five lease payments. They have to have three house payments. They have to have the most expensive you know, private education. They have to have a recurring balance of their Neiman Marcus card for $100,000. i have had coaching clients like that before. And you know what? If they didn't have that overhead, if they didn't have that expense, they wouldn't be motivated. Now, here's the other side of it. Some people and uh, are motivate are uh, if they have financial stress if they don't have financial security if they don't have basically stakes in the freezer or some savings if they have too much debt or any debt at all some people are motivated the exact opposite so in other words if you are somebody who needs financial security and if you have too much debt if you feel like your back's in the corner people like that don't work uh, when they're under pressure. They get too myopic. Myopic is like tunnel vision. So when you get tunnel vision, basically the fear causes you to go inward and you don't actually get anything done. You start becoming destructive. So some people only work at a high level when they have tons of stress from financial debt, from financial obligation. That works for them. I'm not judging, guys. I'm not saying one way is good, one way is bad. I'm not. I'm honestly not. And other people cannot work, cannot feel comfortable, cannot be effective, cannot help other people unless they have some resemblance of financial security, depending on, you know, their overhead and all that. It might be a paid-off house. It might be, you know, six months of savings. It might be whatever. So you guys get the difference? Why am I telling you this? First of all, identify which one you are. Do you, so if you had a bunch of, you know, people, you know, hammering you right now for bills and money and financial stress, and some of you guys might be in that situation. Are you feeling motivated? Are you feeling charged up? Are you feeling like, you know, going into war mode? Are you feeling scared? Are you basically, you know, running, are you turtling up, as we like to say? So that'll give you an indication of what personality, financial personality style you are. And yes, I just coined that term. Julie, copyright that right there before we forget. Mm -hmm. Your financial personality style. That is a good idea. Ooh, I like that one. Write that one down. All right, so whatever financial personality style you are, now, now that you know what you are, Go and identify with the other people that are around you. Again, don't judge. Like, don't approach everyone with the assumption that they want financial security. That might be the last thing that they want. They don't want that because if they have financial security, they just get bored and they get destructive. 
You know, don't judge how other people use money. That's not your place as a broker, a manager, an office. You know, it's not your. If you're Dave Ramsey, if you're a preacher or a pastor, maybe yes. But as a broker, an office manager, a team leader, find out what motivates them. Have a conversation with them about it. Make sure they're doing it consciously. And then, yeah, someone needs to go out and basically, you know, have a bunch of debt and have to dig themselves out of a financial hole so they can actually be motivated. Then, you know, God bless them. At least they know themselves. That's rule number one, right? Know yourself. Julie, next point. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent point. So, number seven, a great broker, manager, or team leader exudes confidence themselves. They lead calmly with control and with low emotion. They set the tone for the office or the practice, and they lead through doing, not just saying what to do. They have obvious integrity, ethics, and motivation. Jack Welch said, before you're a leader, success is all about growing yourself. When you become a leader, success is all about growing others. So, you know, I I have all these different coaching calls that come to mind from past calls and, you know, podcasts and things. And it's amazing how many times agents have called and said, is it normal not to be paid for two or three weeks after a closing? Well, no. Okay, so remember the point. They have obvious integrity, ethics, and motivation. Is it normal not to hear from my broker or office manager for a week or two when I really need help? No, that's not normal. Remember point number seven, a great broker, manager, team leader exudes confidence, but they also have obvious integrity. They lead calmly. They have control. They have low emotion. They themselves are not constantly getting into trouble with other agents or brokers, right? So that's you know, kind of an obvious point, but I think sometimes agents don't know what to expect, especially with your first or second brokerage. You kind of feel like that's just how everybody is, and that's why it's always okay to come to us as a coaching organization and ask these questions. What should I expect? You know, how do I choose a broker? That's why we did this podcast. Back to you, Tim. Julie, so let's drill down on what's probably more – we could call this point number eight. We could, let's just call this point number eight. Whenever we come across a really successful agent, broker, office manager, team leader, they have all these seven qualities, but there's another – this is point number eight. Uh, they always look nice. They always present themselves in such a way that you just know they're a person of power. They have uh, – they've studied basically, you know, how to shake hands. They've, you know, they've, they, they've become students at a master level of communication. These are all the different types of things you guys learn through coaching. But, you know, the truth is a lot of you guys already know these things. You just don't necessarily practice them. For example, if you go to a real estate conference today and you walk into the room and you see, you know, I mean, we've done this so many times. The people who are really the ones that are the true professionals, they don't hide it. They look like they're the true professionals, don't they? They look nicer. They have their hair cut. They have their nails done. I mean, men or women nowadays, I suppose. <laughs> you know, they have their acts together. They are generally speaking people that are, you know, exercising on a regular basis. But the other thing is when you start talking with them, if they'll give you the time of day and you start talking to them, here's the other thing that you're going to discover. And this is all kind of encapsulated in point number eight. Now, let's just call it point number eight. They're always improving, so they're always focused on improving. As, as a leader, you have to be improving. Otherwise, you get complacent. People pick up complacency. They can smell like a vulture smells like a dead animal from 10 miles away. So, you know, when you're trying to get to the point where you're trying to make it so that other people follow you like a beacon in a storm, a, you know, a, a, a lighthouse in the thickest fog and forever, that's what you're supposed to be for folks. You're going to have to be learning constantly. 
One of the, I have to tell you, one of the best ways that Julie and I keep ourselves from becoming complacent is reading isn't enough. Listening to books isn't enough. You know, listening and going to TED Talks, it isn't enough. Travel for us is what really basically gets us motivated. Because when you travel, especially to parts of the world, but you can start in the United States. Truth is, the United States is so amazing. If you go into the United States, you go to different places, you travel to different places, you see how different people live, you just you absorb the culture of living, you know, VRBOing someplace for a couple weeks, something like that. You will quickly find yourself elevating your expectations for life. So what happens is a lot of us say, you know, and this, this is common. Julie and I used to call it the golden cage, right? So you build this nice life for yourself. You have everything seems nice. You know, everything's nice and comfortable. And then what happens is you start losing your edge. You start losing your frostiness. You start getting bored. You start getting complacent. The very elements that it took for you to be successful in the first place, they start sort of trickling away. And, and that's the reason, guys, if you've ever come across, like if you got on a listing appointment and you go to somebody's home and you see their home as like a time capsule, that, and all of us have had these experiences. If you've been in real estate for any amount of time, you know, you know what I'm talking about. It's like a time capsule. And what is that a time capsule to? Usually the happiest time in their lives. The house is decorated in such a way that you know, it's probably when they're raising their kids. It's probably when they're feeling the most affluent and successful. And then the house just stays in that sort of stagnant you know, complacent state and it never changes. So whenever that house was decorated like that, when you walk, like when Julie and I sold real estate, we'd walk into houses that were like from the 80s or the 70s, and they're like these well, little time capsules. Let me jump in with a script alert here. This is exactly where yeah. I learned to start asking when somebody said in your prequalification, you know, my house is completely, utterly rehabbed. You know, we spent a ton of money on it. And it's beautiful. To start asking the question, that's great. I'm sure it's fantastic. I can't wait to see it. When about did you rehab it? What year? And the reason, <laughs> and I'll tell you the house that reminds me of that, Tim. Do you remember Oscar's house? Where oh, they of course, had, like, it was all green. Oh, it was yeah. fantastic. And they had like the most high end 1968 velvet flocked wallpaper with the shiny foil. No, literally. It. Remember that? Guys, it was perfect <laughs> for night. I mean, literally, it, it was like I'm you sure couldn't it was believe, stunning. You, you know, but the, everything was in great shape too. That was a crazy thing. You walk into this house, literally, you'd walk into a time capsule of when they were the happiest. They'd raised four kids there. They still had their pictures of their kids up, they look like Brady Bunch pictures. That's what you'd walked into. But what really what you were walking into is the lives of somebody who probably hasn't evolved since that particular time. You guys are just like that. You know, that was his, that was Oscar was his name. That was his golden cage right there. You guys are the same thing. So your challenge is going to be if you want to be great leaders and brokers and office managers, if you're wanting to bring, have great leaders be part of your businesses, you got to keep them challenged all the time. You know, what people do is they'll be like, they'll be on like a health kick or they'll be on a learning kick or they'll be on a, you know, they'll go to some conference or whatever. And then that lasts like maybe 30 or 60 days. And then they go right back to the way they were before. You've got to constantly be challenging yourself and pretty much all, it doesn't have to be like, I'm going to be a triathlete. I'm not talking about that. For example, maybe, look guys, go back to the original element of point eight. How do you look? When is the last time you updated your wardrobe? When is the last time you updated your hairstyle or any of those types of things? That's where it starts. So if people smell complacency, if they don't think you're personally evolving and improving and getting better and focused on that, you're not going to attract, let alone retain, the best people. Does this make sense, guys? So listen, the easiest place for you guys to get started, especially if you want to really truly shift your mindset, is getting our book. And it's free for you because you're a listener. Um, 
Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate. You know, the original book was written by Napoleon Hill. Julie and I updated it. had some real estate anecdotes. A lot of you guys have said it's a great book. Go ahead, download that. You get it free. When you request a free coaching call, you can go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com, or you can just fill the form out that's right there on the screen. Guys, listen, if there's ever anything we can do for you, for any reason, email us directly. Let us know if there's someone you think we should be interviewing, topics you want us to cover, anything whatsoever. Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Hopefully you guys can tell we love doing this. We love the fact that we're helping, you know, over 100,000 people on a regular basis accomplish their real estate dreams or rather accomplish their dreams through real estate. So anytime you need us for anything, reach out. In the meantime, have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.